Greetings, Evil Boy Genius here, and welcome to another episode of the Off The Tools Collective podcast, the podcast for smart subcontractors sick of being ridden ragged by douchebag penny-pinching clients. Bottom line is this, if you're selling shit to the domestic market, fitting bedrooms, bathrooms, or kitchens, or balls deep in extensions and renovations, and you want to attract the best clients on demand, sell to them way above market rates, and have it all happen hands-off on an autopilot so you ain't stuck to your phone like a cold-calling cockwomble, then put your feet up, pin your ears back and pay attention for the next few minutes and then take action because this shit will not do itself. Take it away boys. So what we're talking about today, oh it's the six most fucking dangerous words in business, isn't it? Tell them what they are, John. Tell them what they are because quite well, frankly when I hear this I feel sick. Yeah and the thing is you say it all the fucking time, don't you? Now, this is really, we're talking about indisputable worth here. We're talking about how to get yourself seen by your target market as being the lucky rabbit's foot, the fucking, the sliced yogurt, you know? The best thing since sliced yogurt. Are you, are you saying that on purpose? Yeah, of course I am. I was going to say. Oh, come on, uh, since, and yet businesses open their mouths with this marketing slogan. And you've seen it from big business, people like Curry's and so on, all the way down to the to the little guy in the street with his little corner fucking electrician's emporium or something. So it spans the whole gamut. And it's six words, which immediately, this whole, whole idea of attracting the best customers and selling at the best prices and showing your indisputable worth, your alpha positioning, your seamless promotion, it just immediately goes out the window. It's like, it's like getting the most expensive banquet you can imagine and just pouring a bucket of diarrhea on it, you know? It immediately makes the whole thing unpalatable. And the six words are very simple. We won't be beaten on price. Because what you're actually saying is, I will work for less than anybody else out there. I don't care how fucking shitty and cheap they are, I will work for less. That's how much I value my own products, my own services, my own self. You can do anything you like, but you can bend me over that table and fuck my ass as hard as you like. You know, that's what you're saying. If you are being, you are accepting, you are taking the fucking nine inch gritty black discount dildo right up your fucking ass. That's true. I remember that. Go on, go on. I don't think I can add much more to that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely but you are spot on. Right. We won't be beaten on price. That's what you're saying. I mean, that is just so fucking wrong. Apart from everything else, it's predicated on the demonstrably incorrect assumption. That's all people care about. Yeah. You know, my son requires open heart surgery. Let's get the cheapest surgeon we can. Yeah. <laughs> no, I remember, right? I've got two funny stories for you. And they're both absolutely fucking true. The first is... Years ago, I used to work with a guy. His name was Graham, and he was transsexual. And he, he worked in a porter cabin, and they stuck me in a porter cabin with him. And I had no idea, because I'm being autistic. I just don't spot these things. So there's this, this fucking... I'm not making this up, by the way. There's this bloke who's developing breasts and having his hair hennaed and it's long. And I just didn't fucking notice. And he's got Grattans and Martian Ward catalogues of women's clothes open on his desk. So it's just me and him in this porter cabin. And he told me afterwards, he says, I, I was trying to drop hints that you'd noticed. Well, you <laughs> failed, didn't you, mate? So anyway, Graham wanted to become Gillian. As he went through the process, he had to live as a woman for a year. So he started, bearing in mind this is at Martlesham Heath, this is a fucking great big research place for BT. He used to have to live as a woman for a year. So he used to come into work in a skirt and tights and things. And he started carrying a handbag. Now, I don't know if you realise it or not, but girls carry handbags from a very young age. They're just used to it. Handbag, you know, part of my arm. Mm. Graham, Gillian, he just looked like a bloke in a skirt carrying a handbag. And he was carrying it like this as if it was full of dead fish, you know. It was quite sad, really, because I, I feel for anyone like that. You know, it's, it's diff- it must be difficult in enough in a bigoted society. But to be clearly uncomfortable with it yourself 
whether it's because of what people might say or think, I don't know. But it was it was pretty fucking sad. And anyway, I left BT a year or so later. And I bumped into him again. I was having Ipswich. And I bumped into him in town. And he was, he was all dressed up. And I said, yeah, how are you doing, Gillian? He said, yeah, I'm doing great. I've left BT now. I've got early redundancy. They um, they offered it to me. I took it. And I'm going all the way now. I'm going to go have the op. I says, oh, great, great. Okay, if that's what you want. Where are you going? He says, I'm going to have it in Amsterdam. I says, oh, what's specifically why Amsterdam? Just curious. Oh, because it's cheap. <laughs> now, I don't know about you. So I don't, there's no value judgment here. I don't, it's his body. He does what he wants with it. But to me, if it was me, if I was going to have my knackers cut about, you know, because the way they do it, they slit your penis down, they scoop it out, keep some of the nerves in, drill a hole, knock it all in with a mallet kind of thing, and they turn your knob inside out, turn your fucking scrotum into labia, take your bollocks out, obviously. And they do quite a good job of it. But if I don't have like, all that done to my knackers, I don't want cheap, you know, necessarily. I want good, you know. Cheap, good. My knackers, good, please. Now, let's do this properly, not cheap. <laughs> anyway, but not a happy ending here because I heard oh some God. later. Hey, he committed suicide. It's, I don't know if that was to do with the operation or not, but basically, I, I'm going back 20 odd years, so things were a little bit different then. But uh, the social scummy fucking services, I, I hate the social services with a passion because they're, they're fucked up. The social services decided he was a pervert and wouldn't let him see his kids. Oh, God. Oh, no. I mean, how fucked up is that? So fucking transsexual. That's not, doesn't make him a fucking pervert, but they obviously know better. But anyway, that, that was that was the first story of why That's, people who want cheap, you know? I don't want to get into the conversation now, but the suicide rates among trans people, astronomically high, astronomically high, as to why is a war ground. Because they're one side saying, well, it's mental health, which is tied to the reason they feel like they're in the wrong body. And then the trans community scream right back at those people saying, you don't fucking understand. Well, I mean, I'm guessing that transsexualism is probably correlated with poor mental health, the same as autism is. Not because those things themselves are a sign of poor mental health, but it's the struggle you have Mm -hmm. that causes it. So I quite believe it, you know. I mean, depression, anxiety and several other conditions are very strongly correlated with autism, not because they're part of it necessarily, but because of the fucking stress of it all. I'm lucky, I've, I'm anxiety, yeah, but I've never had depression and I touch wood, I never will. And the second story, when I first started as a copywriter, I, I left my old job um, and started just doing software documentation because that's what I knew how to do. Well, part of what I knew how to do. I knew I could write, I knew software because I was a developer. And uh, I basically took over the contract from this firm this incumbent firm. Now, the firm I was working with, it's fucking, they have this fuck off software package that you could use to design anything from, say, a workbench all the way up to and including nuclear power stations. And every item in the power station, so every fucking bolt and washer, you could drill down and have a look at it. And it was all in this day. It was fucking amazing software. There was one guy working there, he'd been there since he was a kid at 16 he started he'd spent his and he was about to retire he spent his entire working life on this one fucking piece of software that's that's yeah that's incredible anyway so i was doing the documentation for this and it was it was a bit out i mean looking back i should have built a team and built a business to do it because it would have been a lot of money but i didn't want to and i suppose i'm glad i didn't because i couldn't run a team anyway a bit of a cunt but um when this firm the incumbent firm lost the contract and i effectively got it until i was replaced myself just by a team that could do everything so for about a year, I was the only one doing it. I had, this, I had more work than I could ever fucking dream of. It was just documentation. And um, this guy who worked for this firm was made a scapegoat. They just blamed him and they sacked him. His name was Rob. I won't give his last name. 
And apparently this guy got back in touch with this firm that I was working for, the database, the, the software firm, and said, I know who's taken on the contract. I know who's now doing that work. I will do it for half of whatever he's charging. That's what he said. I will undercut John McCulloch by half, no matter what. So he basically said, I will work no matter how cheaply John, I and mean, I was actually more expensive than this on the firm, I think. They didn't tell me, I think I was from things that people said. But he said, he just said, I will do it for half. Which itself is fucking stupid. But the interesting thing is, the project manager says, I don't want this guy anywhere near this work. If he comes and gets in touch with you and asks to subcontract some of it, I don't want him to do it. And I don't think that's legal. I think that's against some anti-competition laws somewhere yeah, in the And I said, consider it done. <laughs> but yeah, so this guy, even though he said, I'll, I'll go in at half price, no matter what John's charging, I'll, pass the price, I'll charge half that. They still basically said, I want to touch that idea with the Stalin bit. That's just two examples. But we all know this. If price was the most important thing, we'd all be fucking wearing Primark clothes all the time. We'd all be eating Asda cheap fucking shit or Tesco value food. We'd all live in the cheapest possible house. We'd all drive the cheapest car. We'd all, we'd, none of us would use Macs, Apple Macs like I've got now. We'd all have fucking Chromebooks or something. It's just not true. It just isn't. It's demonstrable. It's one of the biggest myths in business. I think those that have spent any considerable amount of time in the world of business grok it. Well, the majority do. But it tends to be stubborn old men, newbies, or people that have never been in business that think being the cheapest is the best way to get business. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. But when you say this to people, some get quite defensive and they go, well, what should I charge? Yeah. And they go, well, should, I, should I, just... I just go middle of the market? Because that's what most people do. Don't they? Oh, yeah. they, they, they look at like five competitors and they just put themselves in the middle, which is arguably even worse than being the cheapest in a way, because it's just mediocrity. It is nowhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. And there's a few things, a few flies in the moment here. Um, the first is some people like O'Leary of Rhino have made it work. But you just see the surface low prices, 10 euros of East Midlands Airport. You don't see what goes on behind the scenes on the airplane, at the airports, all the deals has got to be Boeing. Oh, you just don't see any of that. There's a huge difference in a fucking gigantic firm with a, a genius at its helm like O'Leary mm-hmm. selling cheap seats and your high street electrician going in saying, I will do this job cheaper than anyone else. The, the two are, are worlds apart. O'Leary has a strategy. The electrician is just using crap tactics. Yeah. No, yeah, no, no rationale behind it. So that's the first thing to think about. Second thing to think about is um, there's this insane idea, and I see it with newbies all the time. Now, I, I tend to see it with freelancers more than anything because that's where I came from. So copywriters, designers of all sorts, website designers, photographers, that kind of thing. But it's also true of, of not new guys getting into the trades. And this is really important right now because there's loads of guys sitting up in the trades because they've left the subcontracting firms after the first lockdown and things went to shit, set up on their own. And they don't know any better, so they're all going in cheap. And some of them is, well, say some of them, most of them, it's because it's really common, will basically say, well, I've been in the business for this long and these guys have been in for that long so they charge that much i'm only going to charge this much because i've been doing it for very long but here's my view on it if you are competent to solve your clients problems you should be charging the same rate as anyone else if you're not competent to solve the problem you shouldn't be fucking doing it for any amount of money because you're incompetent it's that simple if i you know if i could write a sales letter that's going to make you a million pounds does it matter if i've been a copywriter for a week or 10 years no and don't get me wrong, I know that it's being established in business for a long time with a, a long track record has a certain kudos to it. And, and certainly in terms of convincing people to give you the money. But in terms of actual prices and actual worth, you know, I say this to anyone right now, if you're a newbie contract with a new business, charge more. Because if you're competent, you're worth it. If you're not competent, you shouldn't be charging it anyway. You just shouldn't. Anything. Yeah. 
any amount of money. The amount of money you charge for a service should not be correlated with how long you've been in business or how long it takes you to do the job. You know, people might say to me, well, that sales letter only, only took you two hours because you copied it from another one you'd already done. Great. That's my fucking good luck, not yours. You're paying me for a result, not a fucking page full of copy. Yeah. That's what you're paying me for. Unfortunately, most copywriters don't see that. Most copywriters are selling pages of copy. That's why they have on their websites, I charge £40 for a page of copy because they're stupid. Now, that's copywriters, but it's the same with brickies, electricians, plumbers, whatever. They, they will charge. They'll just look at what they're doing and say, well, this, you know, I can't make too much profit. Well, says who? That's the yeah. fucking moral judgment you just don't get to make about other people. I get to make it about yourself, of course you do. But you don't have the right or the, or, or the ability to say to, to a client, well, this only cost me £10 in parts and an hour of labour. So I'm telling you, it's only worth 50 quid to you. They might say, fucking love, this has been bugging me for five years. I couldn't, I haven't been able to sleep all night for five years because this fucking pipe's been rattling. You just changed my life. That's worth £1,000 to me. It only took you 10 minutes. Great. Seriously, you just, it just beggars belief. So yeah, the six most dangerous fucking words in the English language as far as business is concerned <laughs> we will not beaten on fucking price okay that's eight words yeah you've added a few there so for those that are listening there's probably some people listening now wondering well i don't say that but i'm not sure i charge enough so how do you tell if your prices are too low johnny boy various ways some obvious ones because you know each case is going to be slightly different the first will be you ain't, you're busy, but you're not making any money. If you are busy all the time, like a busy fool, and a lot of contractors, subcontractors will resonate with that one, you are not mm. charging enough. That's the yeah. first. Second thing is, you're not losing enough work. Yeah. Meaning people are coming to you and they're all saying yes, straight away. You know, you should know you've fucked up if people go, oh yeah, when can you start? That That's when you know you've fucked oh, up and you've not charged enough. That. Yeah. I mean, you it's... want people going, <sighs> yeah, you I'm... want that wince. You want that wince. Well, you do. If you can get and the you win. Want, you want questions. You want mm. them to ask questions because it's another opportunity to sell to them, which then they'll do some fucking irrational justification around the price and they'll go, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you want the wince. Yeah. yeah. You want <laughs> the wince. Because if you if you have the wince, you know you got it about right. They're, you're not, they ain't quite sure. And they, they want you to give them permission to spend all that money with you. Yeah. And when people say, fucking hell, that's a lot of money. It's a lot more than I thought it was going to be. That is not them saying, I'm not interested. What they're saying is, okay, that's a lot of money. I want it. But you haven't told me why I should pay that yet. That's a great opportunity to say, yeah, I realize it's a lot of money. And I'm really glad you asked about it. Because here's why we charge this amount. Here's what are the five things you get from us you won't get from anyone else. You know? Perfect opportunity. And most of the time when these firms say, can you do something about the price or these clients? And you say, I could always put, put it up if you like. That was my response to that. I can always increase it. They'll laugh and say, yeah, fair enough. And that was it. Most of the times they will. And if you lose a client because of price, that's that's a, a bullet dodge. Some probably genuinely haven't got the money and that's fine. You are not obliged to bend over backwards to help people at a loss or without making a profit. You're just not. If you want to do freebies, and I know some people do, um, I have no comment to make on that myself, but if you want to help people, here's the simple thing you can do. For every 10 jobs you do or every five jobs you do at full fee, do one for free if you feel like that. That way you're not giving discounts. You're paying clients are paying you what they should be paying and you're doing charitable work. If that's what you want to do, fine. But by cutting your prices, you find yourself in the same situation that poor girl did. I want to bring high quality graphic design, make it affordable for everybody. And she got the fucking grottiest, shittiest, fucking stained gusset clients you can imagine. None of which were happy, of course. I was going to turn yeah. my fan heater off because it's really hot. You turn your fan heater off. Yes, you go turn that off, Johnny. For those that are listening, that tip that John just gave there is better than 99% of 
paid advice you'll get from business consultants that you see on LinkedIn. When people question your price to be able to go straight back at them, yes, my price is high. And I'm really glad you asked. Let me tell you why. Here's five reasons, five things you're going to get that you won't get from your competitors. It fucking works. It works a charm. It does. I almost can't believe John's given it away, but I suppose it's because John's wise enough to know that half the fuckers that listen to this won't do fuck all with it. And then you'll end up paying us and we'll give you that advice again uh, because it works. It works for everyone. I remember Dan Kennedy said this once and I I kind of disbelieved him. I didn't disbelieve him. I just thought it was just one of those embellished stories people like Dan would tell. But now I know it's true because it then happened to me when I became more established. He said people would fly to him in Cleveland, pay him at the time it was about $10,000 for a day. And he says, and all I tell them is to increase their prices. Everything else is working. And I thought, yeah, it must have been more than that. But having with a lot more miles under my wheels now, 15 years on or so, he's right. There are people who have paid me for an hour's consulting, 1,500 quid or euro. And I've, I've said, well, there's loads of bits and pieces you can do around the edges. But really, you know, you just want to increase your prices and keep increasing them. I mean, here's the thing. Here's another fucking value, value bomb for you. Value increase your prices by 10% and do it every month until you start getting resistance and you've got one or two options when you start getting resistance by resistance I mean you start losing a few sales it doesn't matter because you're making massively more money than you were several months ago you do one or two things you either increase the the power of your presentation so you increase the perceived value so you can keep increasing your price or you just drop the price back to the last time before you start getting started losing sales and leave it there for a while that's it that advice is worth hundreds of thousands of pounds to a lot of people but they want something sexy they, they want oh, how, how, but, yeah but that, that sounds great but how can you use clubhouse better <laughs> you know <laughs> what's, your, what's your fucking ninja trick for clubhouse john how about you don't fucking install it that's my oh, ninja trick for clubhouse I've, I've already seen, already fucking seen people hinting that they're clubhouse experts on LinkedIn, you know. Oh, fuck's sake. I know. I've, I've seen a couple of people, a couple of people I like as well, talking about clubhouse and, you know, they're angling towards they're going to be an expert in it. Apparently the invites to it are hard to get. And I've, I've just been sat on one for a few days now. Oh, man, just, I'm gutted. I, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like dirty having it in, in my possession. I don't, the funny have thing one, is, I don't have one. I bet I could fucking sell it. Go on, I do bet it. I could fucking it. sell it. Do it. I bet I could. I bet I could. Some kind of like for it. What, what, do it. Just do it. On LinkedIn. Five, yeah. how, how much? 500 quid. <laughs> Put it on eBay. <laughs> Seriously. Do you reckon it's on eBay? Clubhouse invites. Let me look. eBay.co.uk. This nothing. is when we end up on Clubhouse and fucking. There's, there's nothing so fucked up in the world as people. And there's nothing so fucked up about people they won't pay for it. I mean, that people will pay for the most bizarre things. 50 quid, buy it now. Is there one? Uh, yeah, 50 quid is the cheapest. There you go. 50 quid. <laughs> Can you imagine? Seriously. 50 quid, John. <laughs> the thing is, people are behaving as if Clubhouse is new, and it isn't. It's been around for ages. It's been at least a couple of years or so, anyway. It was in the thing. It's just, I guess it's just three such critical mass. God, that's so fucking funny. I saw someone writing the other day saying they've... Uh, some person who was as renowned in their little industry was dropping value bombs <sighs> thinking yeah but how much money is he making from that you know what, what's this i mean what's the strategy behind it there isn't one no, no, i don't believe any of these people have a strategy for, for using clubhouse they've just said oh bright shiny thing bright shiny thing get loads of loads of fucking interest loads of engagement loads of loads of leads they're not leads. ego and appearance right, ego just... and appearances yeah, it's just fucking crazy when you know most people just increase your prices. And th- this is the thing about foundations. I, I, you know, this is a fucking blatant pitch for foundations. Our mentoring group, uh, our mastermind. Join us. It's a three k for a year. 
Okay, you can split that into 12 payments of 250 quid plus VAT. Here's the guarantee, 30 days walk away. How do you pay for it? Easy. The first thing I tell you to do is increase your fucking prices. You'll probably cover your fees three, four, five times over. Easily, easily. Because here's the thing, right? You know, when you cut your prices, people don't realise what they do to your business. So when you cut your prices, you massively cut into your profits. Now, it does depend somewhat on your margin or your market, but let's take a simple case. If you've got a markup of 35%, I'm going to lump everything together. Make this really simple. My, my mate Ant, client Ant, has got a spreadsheet which goes through fixed and variable costs, and it's quite complex. But the story is the same. So let's make it really simple. You sell something for 135 quid, and it costs you £100 to provide it. So you're making £35 on profit on it. Okay? So your fixed and variable costs are 100 quid. That's it. You walk out with £35. If you cut your prices by just 10%, who's going to notice? You actually cut your profit by £13.50, which comes out to just under 40%. And the smaller your markup is, so if you're making a £15 markup, that 10% is even more savage. A 10% price cut slashes your profits by nearly 40% on a 35% markup. How that doesn't terrify people, I don't know. But they just willingly toss 20%, 15%. I remember walking through town once, seeing a line of shops. It was probably, it was before we moved here, so it's probably the last but one recession. And they were having 70% off. Now, I know most shops probably double their price, double the, you know, their 100% market. But even so, 70% off is just a massive, massive cut in your profits. And conversely, on the same £35 markup, 35% markup, if you increase your prices by 10%, which nobody will fucking care about if, you, if you've got any sense in how you're marketing yourself, you increase your profits by 40%. It's free money. You know as well as I do, Connor, some of our guys, they added 22, it was a general builder. Remember? He left yep. us a little while ago, but he was, when he was yeah, with us, yeah, added yeah. 22.5% on his prices as a general builder in the domestic market. And sometimes that translated to tens of thousands of pounds in extra profit, which is free money because you're not had to do any more work for it other than say the words, that's £100,000 as opposed to say £75,000 or something like that. It's all you've done is asked for more money. And you can ask for more money anytime you like. This is why I say people shouldn't be marketing when they're busy, because then it doesn't matter if you lose a few. You, you, you feel confident. But just ask for more money, and people will say, yes, here's more money. And it's all free. Because another way to look at discounts is that's your marketing budget. If you say selling a £100 widget, 135 quid, you knock off £13.50. That £13.50 is your marketing budget. You could have spent, say, AdWords or LinkedIn advertising or Facebook, direct, mail. direct mail, PR, maybe dropping faxes if you've got permission, outgoing calls. That's £13.50 you could spend somewhere else. But what you've actually done, you spent that £13.50 to get a lower class of client. Yeah. Think about it. Because worst client. you know as well as I do, price buyers are the scummiest bastards on earth. They're the hardest to, to sell to in some ways. They are the, the hardest to please in most ways. They're absolutely the fucking hardest to get to pay, the cunts. Yeah. They have nothing to recommend them except I don't deal with them because I don't fucking give discounts. The only yeah, they're the you know, they're, they're only redeeming feature is I don't deal with them. How's that if you're a price buyer, eh? How do you feel now, you wankers? Just, yeah, it just beggars belief that they're like that. You know? They're also the slowest to refer as well. Yeah, quite probably. I, I don't have any data on that but or, or experience, to be fair. I'm pretty weak on referrals, to be honest. That's, there's an admission for you all. I do, uh, obviously, I've had them over the years, but I don't have a system in place for it. Maybe I should fix that. Or well, we should well, fix it. It's your fault. I've, I fixed it. Well, I've started the fix. Every month we ask for referrals now. Yeah. Every month. I do uh, get them. We have every event. Ant is always referring people to us. He's a good bloke. So we love you, Ant. We love you, Ant. 
Love you, Andy. Love you, fucking Scouse git. So to sum it up, low prices in your business, fuck you. It's it's the easiest way to put it. Oh, low prices. They, oh, yeah. So let's talk about the contrary, John. High prices. Tell people why higher prices are good for you, but more importantly, your clients, because most people have the misconception that high prices are bad for the, the, the end user, the receiver, the client. Yeah, I've never really understood that. I mean, I'll come to some objective reasons why that's not true for now in a minute. But for now, here's the assumption. And assumptions are dangerous things because they become part of habit. And we, we tend to do things the way we do them because that's the way we've always done them. And the assumption on which we base that behavior isn't necessarily valid or maybe not be valid anymore, even if it was in the past. The price thing was never valid, but we assume it was. But here's the thing. If you think price is important, that's predicated on the assumption your client values the money more than what you're doing. What you're doing is you're projecting your own feelings about money and prices onto them. And even those aren't accurate because no one listening to this is a price buyer. You might think your customers are, but you're not. And you might even think you are, but you're still not because you don't buy the cheapest. If you're wearing a sex change, you would not be going to Amsterdam because it's cheap. You know, I mean, there's probably one or two price buyers in the world. There used to be three. Dad died, left two, right? Because dad was. Dad was awful for it. But I mean, no one else is. It just doesn't happen. Not really. Price is a consideration only when we haven't been given a reason to ignore it. So your clients, your customers will only object to your prices if you've not given them any other reason, not given them any reason not to, if that makes sense. If you haven't shown your value, then yeah, of course they will, because that's what they've got. So high prices, when you increase your prices, you get more money, obviously. It becomes easier to sell, which is, I know, is counterintuitive, but it's true. It is easier to sell one £10,000 sales letter in a month, so one a month, so 120k a year if you're a freelancer, than it is to sell 10 £1,000 sales letters in that same period of time. More to the point, it's easier to write that one sales letter for 10K than it is to write 10 1,000-pound sales letters because the client who paid 10K for a sales letter is someone who's going to understand marketing and the value it provides, whereas those people who paid £1,000 are going to be fucking carping and moaning and pissing and wailing and well, I haven't had any responses yet. We've not sent it out, have you? Well, that's not the point, is it? You know, you get a better class of client. You have a better experience all around. And then it's better for them because they have a better experience too. Several reasons. First is, again, I'm using the... Um, the freelancer is an example now, but it's the same in every business. You can translate to any business. Writing a sales data, electrical installation or plumbing. If you're charging more than anyone else, you can actually spend more time to get that job done because your profits are higher per job. 40% more profit means you can spend longer on that job and do a proper job of it. Never mind more expensive materials. You can spend longer and really give them not just the service, but the whole experience. You can do what Zach's going to do. You can send people away to a, a hotel while you do the job, for instance. You know, so they get a better experience. They get a better service, get better service, and often a better quality response results too. More than that, more than that, often it does depend on what you're doing. But say you're a PT or any kind of healthcare professional, or even a marketer like like we are, where your client getting the benefit of what you're doing is somehow predicated on them actually using it in some way. So doing the exercise, lifting the weights doing the the protocol for the healthcare thing, using the kitchen that you put in for them, whatever, or the bathroom, you know, if it's predicated in any way on them using what you've done, they get a superior result because they spent all this fucking money on it. So they would more likely to do it. Consider, I go and see a psychotherapist every fortnight. I did it before COVID put the stop on it. I've been telling her things she should do. I said, I mean, should, we really want to get go card or set up, we'll set up a standing order. No, no, she wants paying every time I go. Which is stupid, because if I stop going, she stops getting paid. Whereas exactly. if I'm on a fucking monthly thing out my bank account, like, it just keeps getting paid. I don't even know if I miss a few times. I don't care. Yeah. But the thing is, if she then got, went a bit further and said, okay, I'm going to do them in blocks 12, so 600 euro for 12 sessions. That's it. You either have 12, you have none at all. Actually, she's got a legitimate argument for that, because she says, for most people, they've got, 
things I need to work through and just one or two sessions won't cut it. Now that might sound self-serving and in some ways it probably is, which is also fucking right. In just the same way as Phil, my PT or a, a yoga trainer or any kind of healthcare professional or copywriter or marketing person cannot say, yeah, single hit, fix your problem. It's an ongoing process. Now, if you charge more, people will be more compliant and will come along to those sessions. Well, if they come along to those fucking sessions or do the fucking work or whatever, follow your protocol, they'll get better results. You're serving them better by charging them more. You know, the argument that people don't have the money is bullshit. People have the money for the things they want. You know, you, you walk around any fucking deprived area in the UK or Ireland, anywhere you fucking like, every fucking chav and his aunt and his uncle smoking cigarettes, drinking beer, late model cars, late model phones, gaming stations, TVs, satellite TV, designer gear was probably stolen, to be fair. But they've all got the things they want. These very same people will piss them out and say they can't afford, can't afford, can't afford kids' meals from the school, but they can afford cigarettes, alcohol, holidays abroad and things. It's bollocks. They've got the money. It's just about priorities. So yeah. there's high prices have nothing Nothing not to recommend them and everything to recommend them. But people are just too chicken shit. They're just too fucking lily-livered to do it. Well, usually what happens is uh, <laughs> the wife gets involved. Oh, don't start. Why are you charging so much? I you never understand these, these people who ask their fucking spouses for opinions on their businesses when their spouses are not qualified. I never ask Sarah for a business opinion. I'm not married, but I love Tamsin very much, but she knows not to give any opinions on the company. Well, it's just, it's just, not, I mean, just because I'm, I'm in love with a woman doesn't mean to say she's fucking qualified to give me business advice. You know? so I love you. Oh, ever- sorry, you can fly my aeroplane then. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what an airline pilot invite his fucking wife to the controls because he loved her. Her opinion should be respected. No. No way. No way. And they're usually under the thumb, these gents. I remember when I told my mother, that I really appreciate that she's proud of me and that I really appreciate that she thinks I'm doing a great job and she re- and I appreciate that she thinks, you know, the marketing we do and everything we do is all really good. It means nothing. <laughs> she did not take that one at all. I was no, like, sorry. I like the sentiment. However, mum, you're not fit to judge the quality of my work. So it all might blow up in my face and fucking go completely wrong. And she was like, ah! She got me, yeah, she went to happy with me. It reminds me of when I, I was doing copywriting. I still get it very occasionally. Oh, I'd like to do some work for you. Could you send me your portfolio? No, nor samples, because you ain't qualified to judge what I've done. Mm. Results will qualify what I've done. Yeah. Okay? If you could do it yourself, you'd be doing it. You're not capable of looking at my stuff and saying, you can say whether or not you like it, that's different. But you are not capable of looking at my stuff and saying, yes, that's good or that's bad. If you, if you were capable, you'd be doing it yourself. So no. You, know, you don't go to the fucking doctor and say... <laughs> But not unless you're a complete twonk. You don't go to the doctor and, and fucking tell him what's wrong with you and demand he writes a prescription. You know, can I just have a look at the notes of everyone else in the practice to see what you've done with them, you know? Yeah. Can yeah. I watch you fucking examine someone else to see what kind of job you're doing? You just, it just doesn't work like that. I'm an expert. Well, the one thing that you should be showing the people that ask any questions like that is testimonials oh, of happy clients. <laughs> not your clients. Oh, and we've got more of those than we've got fucking things that we've yeah, got. But it's another fucking tip for these Tosspots listening. You should be getting a testimonial for every person you do work with, whether you're fucking fitting a boiler, whether you're fitting a kitchen, whether you're laying carpets, whether you're building a whole fucking house. You should be getting as many testimonials as you fucking can because they are far more persuasive and far more applicable to everything than a uh, photo of a desk you built. 
for example. Well, we've, got, we've got the wall, haven't we? We do have the wall. And anyone who wants um, that is growyourbusinessfast.co.uk forward slash what hyphen they hyphen say. And there's more videos and fucking screenshotted shit there than you could shake any amount of shitty sticks at. Yeah, and uh, for you subbies and whatnot, you should have the same. So uh, if you're smart, you'll look at that and uh, you'll go build your own version of it, as I'm yeah, I mean, sure some of you will. One of Dan Kennedy's clients, they did mundane shit, garden fucking sheds. And they had what they called the shed book. And it was quite literally just a, a ring-bound book like this. And it just sat on the counter of their shop. And it, all it was was every page was a picture of a shed they'd built and the happy, smiling family in front of it with a few words. Fucking shed after shed after fucking shed. Simple as that. Any cunt could do that. Everybody should. Very few actually do. We've got a process. You know, We've got Holly Airhead in the background going through in a vacuous little way, making sure we get testimonials. You don't have to do what we, we, we get them professionally videoed and well, not pretty video, but edited and stuff, but you don't have to do that. Anything nothing. will do, but people just Sometimes don't. better than nothing. I just don't. But, uh, They're silly. And uh, this is why. Uh, here's, here's something else I want to say as well. If you've got shitty clients, yeah, that's your fault. Here's why you attracted them. What the messages you put out there, your image is what brings people to you. That's the first thing. Second thing is when they said, Hey, Fred, I'd like to work with you, you said, Oh, yes, that sounds like a good idea. You invited them into your life and then accepted them. And then when they behave badly, if you don't challenge them on that behavior and correct it, you are accepting. You're allowing, sorry, you're allowing it. You've attracted them, you've accepted them. Now you're allowing them to behave in this way. And worse than that, if you don't challenge that behavior, you are condoning it. You are the one to blame if you've got shitty clients. And I can feel the one-minute hate coming up. I was going to say, I feel like you're cheating there because I know what your one-minute hate is. And yeah. uh, it's very close to that. However, I do want to point out. I'm feeling hateful. Really, well, let me make it a little bit happier. I'm really proud of the work we do with our clients and the experience they get because everything fucking ties together. And at first, when people join us, it can feel overwhelming. It can feel impossible. But when they start to get in the group, they realize it all makes sense. And everything we teach feeds into one another because what you just spoke about there is is exactly what we spoke about uh on what would be yesterday's episode for the people listening what was that why you should take responsibility for absolutely everything oh god yeah absolutely yeah yeah well, that's fundamental so, that's one of our fundamental core beliefs isn't it but this is what i mean uh, most people and most fucking gurus and whatnot they focus on the tactics and there's no cohesive system to put people through Ours is fucking cohesive and it's built on the most solid strategy that's just so sound. I'm just proud of it. I'm just blowing our own trumpet for a second rather than well, itty, we, we, itty tactics that have to be updated every year. Well, pe people don't understand that to, if they want to change their actions, well, if they want to change their results, they have to change their actions. If they want to change their actions, they have to change the beliefs and thoughts driving them. So we focus the first few weeks on changing the way people think about and look at their business. And once they understand all this stuff, the change is almost automatic because the, their actions then come from new and different beliefs and thinking. Now, I'm not saying, oh, yes, we, we reinstall new beliefs or that kind of shit. I don't go into that kind of thing. It's just NLP bollocks. But we do make people think differently about their business. That changes the, what they believe about what, what's possible and, and indeed morally correct. And then they'll go and do it because that's what the actions stem, stem from their, their, their beliefs and their thoughts. Different results. It's not fucking rocket science, is it? No, no, it's not fucking rocket science. Anyway, the one minute hate. Tell people <laughs> what it's about today. One minute hate is people, people on LinkedIn specifically pissing and moaning about their clients. All right, I'm getting my time already. Get your time already. Three, two, two one. Boop. <laughs>
Right, bearing in mind what I said, when you attract people into your business, you accept them and allow their behavior and then you condone it if you don't challenge it. People on LinkedIn, I've seen this so many times, it's a fucking cliche. They will post about, I only take on the right people. I don't complain, you know, I don't just work with anybody. The same fucking people, the same fucking people will then complain about clients who don't pay, won't return their calls, they ghost them, they steal from them, all these kind of things. But here's the thing, they're not doing anything about it. They are complaining on LinkedIn. They're whining like children about the way they're being treated by the nasty boy up the road. This is fucking pathetic. How you can write your fucking LinkedIn profile and all your posts saying what kind of authentic person you are about you only take on the right people and then piss and moan about those very fucking best people you've fucking taken on. How fucking stupid is that? Here's one thing you never ever hear us do or see us do. We never complain about our clients. You know why? Because we don't accept shitty clients. We genuinely do not accept shitty clients. In fact, I've turned people away. I've turned people away. Uh, what? Oh. Right at, right at the shit or bust moment. Right at the shit or bust moment. I, off, I made the offer. He pissed me off. I said, tell you what, I'll withdraw the offer. You can go fuck yourself. But you've got to leave it there. No more to be said in the matter. No more. Because it's the one minute hate. People are stupid. That's what it they comes are. down to. I feel oh. like we end every episode like this. My daughter, Rosie, <laughs> bless her. She does not like to call people stupid. She's very young and idealistic. And she thinks it's kind of very non-PC. But I said to her, because she said, I think I'm naive. I said, no, you're not naive. You're just inexperienced. You will come to learn people are stupid. Case in point, right today in, in the news, they stole somebody's phone in Cork, violent assault, stole the phone. Police went round and arrested them. How? Because they just used, find my phone. I mean, <laughs> and you tell me people are not stupid. You steal a phone with find my phone on it. I mean, that is the fucking epitome of stupidity, surely. It has to be. I've got a really good story about uh, stolen phones and uh, find my iPhone, but it's going to have to wait for another time. That'll do. But, uh, people right, are yeah, I've got to wrap it up. I'm expecting a call from an estate agent because, as you uh. know, we've made an offer on a house. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say too much until it's completed in case they listen. I, I doubt they do, <laughs> but uh, I don't want to say too much. <laughs> they're calling me. What do you, what for, do you call? They're, call, they're calling me to find out what you do. I really hate that question. Because uh, some people say you're a business owner. Some people say, no, say you're employed. How much do you earn? And it's like, well, that's very different to what the company earns. And then uh, any info on a guarantor, it's a bitch, I'll pay you up front. What do you want a guarantor for? And it's a man I'm dealing with. So uh, he is most certainly a bitch. What do you call a busload of estate agents going over a cliff? The accident? I don't know. A good start. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so we're done. If you want fucking freebies and shit, ottcollective.co.uk yeah come join the facebook group we give out shit and we're going to start doing lives again in there Joe. Yeah. i don't know if i've told you that but we're going to start going live, in live. again yeah we're, we're really going to get this going it's the yeah. off the tools collective it's it's going to be a proper fucking community despite our hatred for people communities yeah in the meantime, if you want to make more money with less work, less hassle and fewer headaches and attract better clients on demand, charge higher prices and have it all happen, hands off and in the background on autopilot, ottcollective.co.uk. In the meantime, stay safe, stay inside, wash your hands and please do not shit on your fingers. See you later, off. And if you want to pay us and work with us, email holly at growyourbusinessfirst. Bye bye, you fuckheads.